The Blobcast, sponsored by PHS. Hey, my name's Amber and I started my period when I was 11. My name is Jill and I started my period when I was 14. For anyone you, Bethan, and I see Dechrefe Misglwyf Pannonin Deitheg Noidoid. My name is Bethan and I started my period when I was 12. Hello, I'm Sophie and I started my period when I was 13. My name is Danielle and I started my period when I was 12. Hello and welcome to The Blobcast. Here at The Blobcast, we want to free the period. What does that mean? It means periods shouldn't cost us money. How do we even begin to achieve this? We think open conversations about periods are the start. Shame and stigma around bleeding and menstruation has ruled for too long. My name is Casey Robinson. I'm a period educator, and that means I go into schools and workplaces to talk about all things periods. I'm also a diversity and inclusion educator. In this limited series of the Blobcast, we'll be talking to some of my favorite activists, commentators, and charities that work in this area. The one thing we all share is a passion for periods, a passion for open conversations. Many of you will have heard the term period poverty. We're not going to use that phrase here because research shows that people in that situation feel uncomfortable with it. We're going to use the phrase period equality, which is more than affordability. It's about awareness, understanding, and again, back to those open conversations. Today, we're talking about period products and the cost. Do you know your menstrual cup from your CBD tampon? What are the pros and cons of different products? What about people that can't afford period products? And how badly has the cost of living crisis affected things? The Blobcast, talking all things period. My first guest today is Kenny Ethan-Jones. He's an activist, campaigner, model, businessman and influencer. He's also the first trans man to appear in a period campaign. Kenny, welcome to the Blobcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) My second guest is Terry Harris from Bloody Good Period. Bloody Good Period is a leading charity in the UK that aims to fight for menstrual equity. They deliver products to those who need them and aim to educate and normalise the conversation. Yes, we bloody do. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you quickly about some facts, right? So we're going to set the scene today, I think. So these stats uh, come from a water aid study that was called In the Red. So these stats say that 24% of people who menstruate in the UK say that all their family have struggled to afford period products in the last year. Not surprising. Um, 100% because of COVID, isn't it, as well? Mm. Yeah, right? So increased cost of everything. I reckon the number is higher. So the number, yeah, we're saying 24% of people, but like, I'm always like, we could probably double it. So how do you collect that data? Like, is it accessible for people who like don't have access to the internet or like laptops or whatever? Like, you never know. But I feel like WaterAid did a a good job at going far and wide with Mm. that data. Yeah, for sure. So next stat is that 13% who currently have periods say it's likely that they will be unable to afford period products in the next 12 months. Yeah, and I think they'll probably agree with that still now. Like, Mm. the next 12 months looks really scary for most people economically. Like Going back to kind of like quote-unquote normal life, do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So... I reckon, again, I reckon the number would probably be higher, higher than that. Higher now, yeah. Yeah, the number's higher. And I think also as well, because that's it's been changing so much, right? Like, mm. the changes, the cost of living is just consistently just going up and up, right? So we're saying 12 months, that's a pretty significant amount of time. Now so those it, energy bills have hit oof. the, the doormat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, and we caught it here today, guys. <laughs> you know, I think about as well the fact that, obviously, like, people are more aware of what products they're using as well. Mm. And so maybe they won't want to use a cheaper product because it has bleach or something like that into yeah, it. Yeah. And so they might want a more expensive product. So actually, yeah. maybe they won't be able to afford it because of that in of itself. 
Yeah, that's so true, right? Like, what products are people using? Like, are we talking mm. about, like, the 99p pack that you get from your, like, average exactly. supermarket? Or are you talking about something from, like, Planet Organic, which, you know, is, like, CBD infused yeah. and is, like... Fancy business. You know, it's, like, sewn together by angels. Like, I don't know. But, like, I love that. You, you need to put it on a packet. Yeah. You see the price of them, I'm like, well... They better be. It must be, innit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, just, I think when we talk about products, like, what are we talking about? Because, yeah, there is a huge market out there, right? Mm. But, like, as... Uh, Terry has a wonderful box in front of us of products. Like, are we talking about the basic, like, pads and tampons? Mm. Are we talking about cups? Are we talking about pants? Like, so, yeah, yeah, what what is behind that data that probably makes that number a lot bigger? Mm. So, next one is 61% said if pure products were cheaper or if more free products were available, it would improve their mental health or well-being. 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Even for people who can afford period products, like everyone's been cut short. Like mm-hmm. if you have yeah. a period, you've been out and been like, oh my God, I can't, like I've started, I haven't got a product. So just having them would really like release that stress and anxiety of having to like plan ahead, that like everyday stressor of having a period. Yeah, for sure. And I think like on the, I mean, again, like mental health, well-being, I'm not a doctor, and so I don't want to speak more to mental health, but I think in this idea of well-being, like, what does it actually mean not to have to think about this, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, do we actually know that yet? Like, we're really also talking about a world and a society and a community that doesn't exist yet to be able to just walk out of your front door, go about your life, and if you do need a product, if you've just forgotten it, or X, Y, Z, that it's just there. Like, we mm. have no idea what reducing that mental load looks like. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. there's a few examples, a few companies that are maybe doing it, but, like... Could you say that every toilet you go into, you're going to be like met with the products that like one or like? No, it should be that way, but yeah. absolutely not today. The Blobcast spoke to learners at Harlow College, Aaron, Alex, Kado, Sophie, and Archie, to find out their reaction to the cost of period products. Here's what they had to say. Why are period products so, so expensive? expensive. Yeah. But they're expensive. So expensive. Yeah. It's like £5. I, I thought they were free in the first place. I didn't even know they were, you have to pay for them. So me, find out today, it was quite like, it seems a bit weird. I want to maybe ask you, Terry, a little bit more about, like, what, in terms of looking at these stats, in terms of what Bloody Good Period is doing, like, what does that mean for you in, like, the day-to-day? It just means, like, an increased demand for our services. The fact that the government doesn't take responsibility over providing free period products for everybody but also for people in society who need it the most means that that falls on us as a small charity. So I don't know the stats, like, specifically for this whole year, but previously in the year we had a 150% increase in demand for our services and we've also kind of increased who we're delivering to so it's not just like food banks refugee and asylum seeking communities anymore but we're also getting requests from corporate companies and organizations whose employees and staff are experiencing in-work poverty and they're finding it difficult to access period products so I feel like the economic climate at the moment means just like more and more people are finding these essential items really difficult to access and I think there's just not the government will or focus on like how we can move forward and really like support people's like mental well-being and period well-being. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's wild. I didn't think that it would seep into the corporate world. You know, that was never Buddy Good's period's original focus. So yeah. the idea that you've had to stretch yourself there must be such more of a demand on your side. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the in-work poverty stuff is really interesting because it's also, like, seeping into the NHS as well. So mm. there's, like, a lot of NHS workers that come to us and say, have you got free period supplies? And that's not the way that we work. But to see that, like, you know, 
the people who have worked hardest throughout the pandemic, like even up till now, can't afford essential items while they're working or in their everyday life, I just think is outrageous. We did some research recently as part of, um, so it's like AI scoping where they go into the internet and they pull out all of these different kind of, I guess, individual experiences across the internet. And one of the major things was that like periods are an everyday stressor because every time you leave the house, wherever you are in your menstrual cycle, you're planning like, what if I come on? Will there be period products? What toilet can I use? If I use a menstrual cup, is there like an accessible toilet with a sink in it? All of these things that if you don't have a period, you're just not thinking about on a day-to-day basis. And so, like, that's an added mental load. Then you add on top of that poverty and, like, not being able to afford those products and it's just so stressful. Yeah, just kind of never-ending. But then also this kind of stress that, like, sits there because, well what's the solution to it there isn't yeah. any other option right so it's almost something that you begin to normalize mm. oh yeah definitely it's like until you don't have that conversation until i start having this conversation you're just like that's just life yes, right yeah. like you have to live in that way that okay. was the biggest stress for me you know yeah i'm not gonna lie because i hated buying period products like, yeah it was embarrassing like it felt embarrassing and also it felt like a form of self-outing because mm. okay. obviously where i wasn't so cis passing yeah. in the beginning when i transitioned mm-hmm. i'd go to the period aisle and i would like i'd pick up a product I didn't know what product, first of all. I would just pick up anything. Just any, grab any, yeah, anything. I was like, yep, yeah, mine. Okay, cool. And then when I got to the till, I'd find myself overcompensated for the conversation and be like, it's my girlfriend. I had no girlfriend. Mm. But just because I just wanted to make it very clear that these products are not for me. Like, I wanted to create yeah. distance. Yeah. And so already hating my period and what it made me feel like and then being in a stressful situation, like, I actually have to buy products right now. Otherwise, you know, in certain situations, I remember I used to use toilet roll, which is, mm. you know, a lot of people yeah. in poverty, sorry for using that word, tend to have to do and I was just it's just it's just not a nice experience so it's like if I could have a bathroom in which I could go into that nobody sees me using the product it's just like a little bit of a safe haven for a trans person personally and now back to Harlow College to hear about how they support their trans learners having the tote bags on the back of the doors really works we have to put them in the accessible toilets because we have a number of learners who are transitioning. So they may be presenting their life as a man, living their life as a man, but still having periods. So they're in the accessibility toilet. And we do have gender-neutral toilets as well, and there are bags in those areas in the gender-neutral toilets. And, you know, there's no judgment here at college. We have some fantastic conversations with some gender-fluid young people, gender-neutral young people, those that don't want to align to any gender or whatever and how we can support them single cubicles is the way forward for those that are still not absolutely certain and why should we make their life any more difficult so no it works really well for us the idea of like the shame and the embarrassment and the stress is also like leading people into having to use things like sponges, socks, toilet roll, right? And like... Yeah, and I think this toilet roll thing is so common. Like, whenever we do data or I read data, it's like people are using toilet roll to absorb their period, which, like, has so many health implications. If you're doing that constantly, like, the risk of infection, of, like, irritation, all of these things is is huge. And we have just, like, normalised that as it being fine and a good way to absorb our period when actually, like, we should be using period products and they should be available so that we don't have to use alternative things that can harm our bodies yeah I've heard of homeless people using like paper bags brown paper yeah. bags especially oh in America mm. yeah so there's loads of yeah just like makeshift in it makeshift products yeah, definitely. that are not okay no and like yeah. and also as well I think sometimes as well we really 
abandon the idea that we're actually talking about our health when we're talking yeah. about periods. Yeah, yeah. Like somehow periods have just become, like become, oh, I've always been this like little add-on thing that's it's like so over right. there and not talking about it. Mm. It's a health issue. It's a health problem. Be that like your physical health or your mental health, right? Like we're talking about health all the time. This is yeah. a serious medical thing that we should be discussing. But because of that shame, stigma, taboo, all of this stuff, it's like... <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, it says here, I've got it written down that like the average spend on a period, Kenny, Terry, tell me if this feels right, wrong to you, is about forty pounds when you take in account all the products for like bleeding, potential pain products, and then maybe some like shocky bics and mm. things like that. Does that seem like a realistic number? I feel like is that part of the four thousand eight hundred pounds a year or a lifetime number, or is that different? I don't know. Forty pounds that feels right. So at the moment we're working with some incredible UCL students to recost a period because we okay. just felt like those numbers weren't accurate, mm. and I think they're not accurate because they don't include things like time taken off work if you have a zero hours contract, yep. the extra money it costs to like run your kettle to fill your hot water bottle to wash your leaked bedding and clothing, and so I think that stat feels accurate because it's much larger than like I think I've heard like £12 or something before mm. um, but yeah I think it's so varied as well because of people's individual experiences but it's so much more than period products mm-hmm. I'm even like thinking now as I'm speaking like how you would calculate it right like all of the time that you say time lost bits the kind of things oh, that yeah. you're dealing with that's why and... those whizzy UCL students <laughs> are doing data analysis <laughs> and not me <laughs> yeah. and I think as well it depends on how you know if you have endometriosis or something like mm-hmm. that you know how, pain, how much pain you're in but also relate back to how much time off work you take and all of those different things so I think it's so that's going to be so individual yeah definitely yeah one thing in terms of the cost that I want to talk about as well is like so what I hear a lot on I say a lot a fair amount in these kind of conversations <laughs> is where people will be like, oh, well, that person just like just needs to use a cup and then that's it, right? Like, yeah. oh, they just buy some period pants. And so I'm a big period pants fan. I have five pairs, okay? Love that for you. Right? Yeah. Which, again, that's sorry funny. if that sounds huge, <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. trying to live my best life. <laughs> but like, the idea is that just buy a pair of pants, just buy a cup and then like, you're done which just is it's a bit wrong, right? Yeah, that is like one of the biggest conversations that kind of annoys me in this space because as a menstrual cup user, I see the like wonderful benefits of it, but it doesn't work for everybody. And we get so many people messaging us daily being like, why don't you just give everybody you work with a menstrual cup? And it doesn't take in factors, cultural sensitivities. Not everyone wants to use an internal product. you got to be comfortable with your blood. Not everybody has that, like body dysmorphia, other reasons why you won't want to see your own blood. And then most of the people that we work with live in insecure, unstable housing. So they don't have access to like hot running water, gas and electric to like boil a cup. So it's a great solution for a lot of people, but it's not a great solution for everybody. And I think one of the things we're really passionate about is choice. And that's like a big conversation that we should always be having when we're talking about period products. Mm -hmm. You said it so perfectly. I think the other thing that I would add is that all of these products, they have a lifetime as well. Yeah. yeah. So they don't last forever. So actually, you need to consider that. So it's like, I don't know, a cup may last, I don't know how long, let's just say three years, for instance. Yeah. You still don't have to consider the costing after those three years. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not as easy as just going, okay, chuck a few people, some period pants and some cups so and we're great and we're sorted. It's not that easy, is it? No. Yeah. Because then what sure. happens, you get used to that product and you're like, this is incredible. And then after three, ten years, however long it is, you don't have the finances to then rebuy that buy that item so you're back to using something that you don't want to use you almost take away choice from people by giving them something yeah yeah for sure also the idea is that we're not we're really raised with this idea that there is a choice so like mm-hmm. even if we're taking the affordability factor out which is a huge part of this conversation yeah. right so even if you have the money to buy a cup and buy pants how often do you like experiment with products right mm-hmm. like how many mm-hmm. of us actually you know if you wanted to buy a white jumper 
you would go out and you would probably go out and try on five to six white jumpers until you decide the one that you want. You don't do that with period products, no. but it's something that you're putting in like one of the most intimate areas of your body. <laughs> like every month, give or take. <laughs> really a lot, but you don't, we don't shop for them. Like, you know, Kelly's example, like grab and run, yeah. right? Like, there first is so, one. Yeah, first one, just like, there, like, let do. me get yeah. this over and done with, right? I don't want to be here. So like how that, con- the fact, the lack of conversation around it means that we don't think, actually, is this the right product mm. for me? Right? And like, that's another issue with menstrual cup because not it's not a one size fits all. Like mm. me personally, and I feel really privileged and lucky to say this, I've had to go through six or seven different types of menstrual cup to find one that fits my shoes short cervix yeah. and my heavy flow and it's like what a combination it's not so yeah you have to keep testing these out and like that's not a luxury that many people can afford so the reusable products are a bit trial and error and you have to find the right fit for your body which can be like expensive and time consuming you don't want to leak so no. then yeah there's that added worry as well it's also about the education of the products mm-hmm. because like if you don't know how long you should keep a tampon in you don't know how long you should wear a period underwear you do not I mean yeah. you also need to know that and I feel like there's more people have a baseline when it comes to like knowing pads and like basic tampons more than they do kind of the newer products because yeah. we're still kind of figuring them out as time goes on so I think it's also that it's like you don't me personally if I had a period today I'd probably just stick to what I'm comfortable with mm. because I'd be too ashamed to have that conversation with somebody around you know how often should I change my period underwear do you see what I'm saying so yeah. I think it's also that as well yeah for sure just the, like the unknown right because we're just not talking about it no. not seeing it we're only just seeing like fake red blood on the TV right? so, <laughs> not, the no. not the blue blood not the blue blood not the royal blood <laughs> <laughs> I think as well there needs to be a big thought around distribution mm-hmm. and ways to give people product in in privacy I would say because okay. I think that's what it is it's, it's the shame of I think I always go back to I think it's the shame of having to ask for the products yeah. versus if you were able to take out will with nobody watching mm-hmm. I think loads of people would use that but Absolutely. it's a case of how do you set that up mm-hmm. do you know what I mean because I know I don't know when this happened but a few years ago I remember like in schools specifically in America they were like the boxes yeah, dispensers yeah. boxes that you could just go into the bathrooms and take I yeah. and I feel like that was quite a clever idea but mm-hmm. I'd never seen it kind of translate over to here in the UK not sure why not yeah, yeah, you need the government backing for that. Like, I was recently in Australia, and there's an organisation there, Share the Dignity, and they have set up these kind of period product machines, like yeah. vending machines, yeah. in toilets, which are great. They sound fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're so cool. I was there, like, pushing the buttons <laughs> and seeing what happens. Um, but it's amazing because that just exactly what you're saying. People have, like, free access, it's private, and it's, like, shame-free, and there's no barrier to asking. I really, really I love that. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. It goes back to what you were saying in the schools. You know, if I'm a teenager and I'm in a school and I've come on my period, I have to then like what ask my teacher, can I have period yeah. products? Like, depending on how comfortable you are on having that conversation, you're probably not going to. That's why there was a girl guiding report recently into the school's product scheme, and I think it was something like 30% of young people hadn't accessed the scheme because they were embarrassed mm-hmm. to ask their teacher. 46% hadn't accessed the scheme at all, but 30% wow. because they were too embarrassed to ask their teacher. Because there's a, a block, you know, you have to go to reception and ask Miss, Miss, I started my period, can yeah. I have some products? Yeah. Which is so it's embarrassing. More barrier, the more barriers to entry, like, do you know what I mean, you keep, the, the harder it's going to be. And like, yeah. most people aren't comfortable with having conversations about periods, so it's like, any system that's in place, you need to think about how are you going to strip back as many barriers as possible yeah i was reading this yesterday as well Mm. emma barnett's book and she was talking about how there was examples of some kids in schools who were they essentially the teachers felt that they were intentionally kicking off inside the class and causing trouble so they get taken out Mm. so that they could then use that opportunity to say can i 
get a product. Wow. Like, can wow. I have a pad? Can I have a tampon? And essentially getting in trouble so, so actually, that they can have the privacy. Exactly, right? So, like, that was their attempt at removing that barrier themselves, you know? And then even loads of times in some of the schools I've been, a lot of the young girls specifically are like, I obviously, like, in maybe in the middle of the class realise I need to go or, like, I need to change my tampon mm. or my pad or whatever. But then, like, when I'll go and do that, I'll ask the teacher, like, can I go to the toilet? Can I go to the loo? And then I'll pick up my bag to go. And then yeah. the teacher's like, where are you going with your bag? What are you doing with your bag? And it's like, I just need to go with my bag. Mind your business. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, 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 the whole class, right? In yeah. the sense of, like, I understand that there is X, Y, Z things going on. Like, I don't want to speak for teachers and the things that they have to deal with of each course. and every day. But the reality of it is that, essentially, most of the time, it's not like a malicious intent that they're like, how dare you take your bag, you're going to cause trouble. Mm. But the idea is that it doesn't even occur to them as a thought no. that that might be why that the person yeah. doesn't want to take pad or a tampon or a product out of their bag and yeah. walk through the middle of the class with it. You know, I'm thinking about in, in the situation that you're explaining, yeah? And I think about, I went to an all-girls school. And mm-hmm. so what I think about is I remember, like, specifically what you were saying about some of the girls that I was in class with not being able to pick up their bag. So what they would do, get a tampon, hide it up their sleeve, sleeve. and that causes the shame even more because it's yeah. like you have to hide what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one's walking out tampon in hand no. headed to the toilet jam. <laughs> I mean, I might try Yeah, it. bye, yeah. bye, babes. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Most people won't do that. So it's like, exactly, it's, I think as well, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I think it's about letting the kids be, just trusting them. Also, I think like, even if they're allowed to go to the toilet. I've worked with so many young people where they're not allowed to use the toilet during class, so they, like, bleed through, they are, like, nervous the whole time that they're going to leak. Like, that takes so much... Yeah, you're, like, rubbing the chair, make sure you don't have any blood on it. Like, that takes so much focus away from your education. Like, I think there's a bigger conversation about trust as well. Mm. One of the things that, like, I always feel that people come back as a rebuttal, maybe more in, like, workplaces, right, but also in schools, is that, like, we can't have free products because people will, quote-unquote, abuse it. Yes. Abuse the fact that they're there. This idea that if we put a box of tampons or a box of pads, that they'll suddenly take, like, 20 and then they'll be gone all of a sudden. Mm. And so, I mean... I would say sort of anecdotally, like, things that I've heard and seen is the idea that that does actually happen, right? Like, mm. that yeah. is a very real reality. But, like, we're not asking why. Why does no. that happen? Because of the fact that they're so inaccessible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because of the fact that people are like, oh, my gosh, this is going to run out. I've got to grab and go. You know, we use that phrase again. <laughs> Just grab and go, right? <laughs> Uh, because I don't know if this is ever going to happen. So, like, often what you see is it takes about four months to build up that trust mm. with students, with your staff teams, that that will always be there. It's a bit so like, like pasta during COVID. Do you remember when everyone went nuts for yeah. pasta? And toilet then when roll. it was... The, and, and toilet roll. So when it was there, it went so quickly because everybody was so worried that it wouldn't be there again. I yeah. think it's the same for period products in schools and workplaces. You're like, wow, I'm finally being catered for... Quick, 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 yeah. quick. Yeah. Like, let me get my rights real exactly. quick. Let me, just <laughs> let me get my work. <laughs> the Blobcast. Breathe a period. The Blobcast wanted to find out more about how free period products are distributed in schools and colleges and how students feel about the cost of products. We went to Harlow College in Essex to speak to learners and staff. First up is Marion Hollingsworth. Harlow College's Safeguarding Trust Manager, who spends the budget for free period products and distributes them across the school. At the college, tote bags filled with period products are hung on the back of toilet cubicle doors so learners can access them whenever they need them. So we found out that the government uh, were going to provide free sanitary products for students, so we jumped on that bandwagon. We now get somewhere in the region of £6,500, £7,000 a year. We spend every single penny and we buy sanitary towels, tampons, moon cups and reusables. 
We have this time round got the period pants. Um, obviously they're really expensive in the shops and they're not cheap for, for us either. So quite how we're going to distribute them, we're, we're discussing um, at the moment because if we put them all in one toilet, they would just go and that would be it. We're not quite sure how we're going to distribute that. Having the tote bags on the back of the doors really works. And I go around every Monday morning and top them all up. We have our own food bank here because we have a huge number of learners. In fact, I've got over 100 learners in care. I have got over 80 unaccompanied asylum seekers, some of whom are female. So their only source of income could be the very, very little that they get from social care. And we're constantly doing food donations. We have an emergency bursary fund. There is huge financial hardship outside. A lot of staff, I hear them saying that they charge up their college iPads and their mobile phones when they're here at college just to save that little tiny bit of electricity. Yeah, it's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Back to Harlow College, where we spoke to Marion and some of the students there about their thoughts on reusable period products. We've found that what our most popular products are and what doesn't work. The reusable sanitary towels, sanitary pads, hugely popular, can't keep up. I could, I could give out those all day, every day. But then that would mean we'd have no budget for sanitary towels and tampons going on. I've been working with a couple of young ladies who are my little guinea pigs and they've been using the reusable pads for a year and the same batch, they've used them every month. So they seem to work really, really well for them. Got a lady that is menopausal that quite simply can bleed for England. And they come with a little pouch as well. So you've got your, your used side and your clean side. And she has a couple of those. She can get through five a day. And that would cost her so much money. She's a member of staff, but she's struggling financially. More than happy to help her. Why wouldn't we help her? She's in education. Very, very valued member of staff. So she's able to manage that. She's a very eco-conscious person, so she washes them, she soaks them overnight, washes them. Boom. Lovely. I love the idea of, like, a menstrual cup that you can wash and reuse, but, again, like, it's not going to work for everyone. People are pushing, like... If you're not using reusable products, then you're killing the environment. Killing the environment. Yeah. And I completely understand that. That's a different story. But not but everyone like, can. It's not yeah. going to work it's, for everyone. Yeah. Not everyone like, can do that. For some people with heavy flows, if you use a cup, it's just going to sit in there. Personally, like, I don't. I don't use reusable products. But I'm also just like I don't. I'm too scared to even use tampons. Like the yeah, times I've too. tried. Yeah, we were having yeah, this conversation. We were having this conversation but like I've tried tampons a few times. I just, I just can't do it. Oh, like, I don't know what tampons. There is like I there is a way to use them. But yeah. obviously, we don't know how to. We do aren't yeah, we, we aren't taught <laughs> it. It's just like getting them and yeah. Like, yeah. obviously getting used to it. But like it's kind of like a grind, really. Yeah. 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 Thanks to everybody at Harlow College for letting us talk to them about all things period. We are sponsored by PHS. PHS supplies schools with period products which are free for any and all learners who need them, whenever they need them. No questions asked. 
feel like this is like the big juxtaposition. It's like nobody wants to see people leak or bleed because society tells us that's gross and yeah. disgusting. But on the other side, we don't want to give people free period products. It's not seen as like essential. And so it's like, how can it both be gross and disgusting, yet you're not willing to like cater f- to support people in like dealing with that? I just find that so bizarre. I want to ask you, Kenny, about like using products mm. as a trans man. How do you feel that like the, I would say, development or like the increase in products on the market has taken that into consideration like is there a real inclusive center for this there's so much to say here okay everyone everyone take a seat we just have to work into it (laughs) i think the first thing to start with is probably like the advertising of products Mm -hmm. so i think the first thing that i started to recognize back in 2018 was that first of all trans men non-binary people gender fluid no part of the conversation at all like yeah. gender inclusive language was like starting to be used by the good period big up one of the <laughs> charities that i noticed i started using it first yeah and so that was kind of like the first change i would say the second change was products being marketed towards trans people that actually weren't made for trans people okay and my thought behind this is that like obviously when period underwear specifically period underwear was made it was based on women bodies like Mm -hmm. feminine bodies and the issue that i have with that when i've tried period underwear specifically is that it emphasizes hips which is probably one of the most like things that make trans people the most dysphoric and so actually these brands like instead of creating a product that's specifically for trans men have basically marketed boy shorts as suitable for trans people but the shape and figuration that it gives you when you wear it is not comfortable comfortable. yeah and so that was kind of like one of the biggest issues that i see and that's why i'm starting my own period underwear company specifically (laughs) so i've just got tired of like seeing this space in the market because i feel like there has been lots of development specifically for women and it's wonderful but when it comes to trans men non-binary people i just feel like it's kind of fallen short as well i think going back to like what you said earlier about buddy period giving people options to choose what products they want as well because a lot of trans people i don't want to use a tampon i've used a tampon once in my life and Mm -hmm. i hated every second of it and i was like i'm absolutely not doing this again and so stuck with pads but pads just i didn't necessarily like how they felt and so when period underwear came around i was like oh this is this is a great time like who made this This is fantastic yeah i mean and being able to wash it and just know that it's always there as well Mm. do you know what i mean that safety of going oh i just have to wash it but i know them there versus i have to go to the shop and going through that stage of like being embarrassed to buy a product yeah terry i want to ask you in terms of when people come to you to kind of access products or like Mm. use products do you feel like they're being catered to can you cater to them What's interesting is period pants have become really popular, but they've only become really popular because we've been doing education sessions about them. So people need to learn and understand what these products are and how to use them. Pants are so great because they're like a really accessible, reusable. You don't really have to learn how to use them like you do with the other ones. You just wear a pair of pants, take them off, wash them. And I think that's so great for a lot of the people that we work with. We used to get a lot of tampon donations Mm -hmm. and people just don't use them in a lot of countries that are people's home countries countries like the word for period product is a big brand of pads um so yeah. they'll call it by like the brand product name of a pad yeah and so that's just like what is most commonplace to them and using a tampon perhaps doesn't fit with like religious understandings of especially in a lot of communities the hymen is a big thing mm-hmm. and whilst i understand that that is a social construct and like a misogynistic myth around virginity like for a lot of people that is a really strong cultural thing and so using internal products like tampons which people don't want to use them in case it breaks the hymen or takes their virginity so pads are kind of a more 
yeah, more wanted product. I mean, I hate this term, but like the cultural sensitivity issue, mm. right? Like, which to me brings up this idea that somehow certain cultures are more sensitive than others, which like, <laughs> ain't the case, right? And so it's it's framed in a very like power dynamic way. But like mm. the idea is that, and I think a lot of times in schools, particularly, and people will say, or actually even in workplaces, like, how do we have this conversation mm. without offending people, without insulting people? Like you Absolutely. said, that you can understand that there is misogyny behind this, sexism mm. behind these ideas, but that doesn't mean that people still don't get to like be authentic in their religious beliefs in their understanding their Mm. cultural norms so I think that that speaks to a lot that you can do this conversation and sometimes people avoid it because they're like oh well you know that person says this and this group think that and it's like actually you know as I said before like when I'm showing the products to the kids and they are quite literally alarmed at the size of a Mm. menstrual cup like (laughs) they're like you want me to put that where so big it is so big it is scary we show it like on the board like there's a powerpoint and then they're like but like how big is it in real life I'm like oh it's so much smaller and then I get out and they're like that's the same size that's too big and so I think like the idea that like the same question is like when I'm 14 do Mm. I have to start using tampons I'm like Mm. absolutely no you just need to be informed that like that's an option for you however you can discuss that with your family. You mm. can discuss that with your carers, with the trusted adult to understand what's right for you. Exactly. The whole point of having the choice there is that you can choose. I just want you to know what's available. This is not that this is better. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. There's no like binary in any of it. It's just that it is out there and we should be aware of it, even if it isn't right for us. And I think that choice thing is so important. I feel like a lot of things that happen in the charity sector is you make assumptions about certain communities like you can't deliver menstrual cups to that community because they believe in like the hymen and like the importance of that so they would never use a menstrual cup but like you have taken agency from that community allow them to make the choice if you teach people about the different options available to them let them make that choice if at the end of the day they don't want to use that internal product because it might break or they believe it will break the hymen that's totally fine and like allow them to do that but don't take that option away from them because you've made an assumption right yeah 100% Going back to the education bit, right? <laughs> and we'll do this together. You've got the products in front of you. Maybe do they have a show and tell? Yeah, um, I love a show and tell. And so, yeah, just showing people like how squidgy it is, mm. flexible it is. I think people will... Yeah, so obviously it's like very flexible and can like be moved around. There's loads of different ways that you can fold it and you just have to kind of get red, like used to the one that's best for you and your body. Um, I like to play the game of like, what does this look like? A lot of people okay. think it looks like a bell. Yeah, dingling. A nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks like that thing that you put in your head in the hairdresser. But you're like highlighted. Yeah, I love that. So it looks like lots of different things, but yeah, basically you insert it into the vagina um, and then when you need to take it out, it's not a plunger. So you don't just like pull this thing because yeah. you will pull you out pull, your... You, can, you cut that as well, right? Like that, that, it's a long length and then yes. you decide how long you want it to be. That's the one thing exactly. I Exactly. It's like, kind of like a tampon line. string. So you're okay. just using this to find where it is in the body and then you're going to squeeze this bottom bit and pull it out and it's like these tiny little holes all around and it basically vacuum seals it so it holds it into the vagina and then when you push this it releases that then you just tip it out rinse it reuse it and then at the end of your period boil it and it lasts for like 10 years depending on the brand okay not for everyone people get grossed out by their blood totally get that maybe you don't want to use that yeah and i think another key point to add in is like the use the usability time right Mm. so we've talked about that usually it's like we have a general understanding with pads and tampons Mm. because they've been around the longest but i know that people are always like well if i take it out like i can't boil it because i'm at school or at work but like the idea is you 
can leave it in all day. Yeah, yeah. It, depending on your flow, like you can leave it in for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depending on the brands. And yeah, some people, this is accessibility thing is a massive thing because if you don't have a sink in the toilet that you're using, mm-hmm. this becomes very difficult to use because if you take it out, you need to rinse it. Yeah. Um, so some people carry like a mini bottle of water around with them so they can just like rinse it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a faff, you know? It's not that as easy as just that. Like, when you said mini bottle of water, yeah. I was, I'm already she was out. like, no, I'm out. <laughs> I'm already out, but I was like, Definitely. I need to take too, what? too much. And too much planning. Your bag and then they've becomes got like too a big. Lunch box and then they've got yeah. like a little like a hot stove, but they bought it. No. No. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All I've imagined is like you in a teeny playhouse, just yeah. like cleaning your food in front of what about now? Let's look at some pants. Okay, um, so these are some of the pants that we provide. And I just like love these. Most people love them because they're just like really easy to use. You just pop them on like your underwear. Yeah. And they have this like amazing um, internal lining, which you can't feel or... Um, because you're on camera. And it's also not as thick as people, I think, it is. I was like, no. I know a lot of people assume it's like so a like, big, like, thick bit of material, but no. actually it's just... These ones are, like, super thin. And, like, this is, like, some incredible technology that I don't really understand, but the Hard blood thing. doesn't sit on the top. Oh, like. yeah. I would oh, yeah. That. Okay. I don't know that part. I don't know that part. I mean, I don't know everything, but obviously I had to do research. So the first thing to talk about is obviously that um, when it comes to the exorbency, there's different levels, mm. depending on the brand. Yeah. So some of them do, like, really light flow, heavy flow, so, you know, I guess, again, it comes down to trial and error of which, like, how heavy you are. Some people tend to use them as a backup. Yep. So if you have a tampon and you just want, like, make sure that you don't leak mm, anywhere, that's, that's also true. an um, option. And the technology in most of these are quite basic. So it's just like a cotton. There's, like, basically like a, a vegan leather or something of that oh. form in between that stops it from leaking down. Okay. Um, and then there's a layer yeah. in between that holds the blood, which is like, kind of like a thin cotton. So imagine cotton. That's what touches you here. Yeah. And then cotton in between and then uh, a lever of some form and then the back of the underwear. Wow. That is you way really... less techie than I thought yeah, it was. No, 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 it's it's not. It was the hydrocodonomical Yeah, molecules. Yeah, it's like there's going to be some big science words. No, it's not. It's just about using the right fabrics that obviously don't cause infection yeah. and things like that. So like organic cottons and things of that form. So it's just making sure that they, yeah. But it's not a lot of exorbency. Um, so that's another thing to bear in mind. Mm. So if you're a heavy bleeder, um, period underwear might not be the right product for you. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good. Um, Sorry, I just took away from your showcase. Oh, I loved it. No, it's caring <laughs> and caring. The most knowledgeable should definitely talk about <laughs> it. You know, I've been at home cutting period underwear. Like, what's the side of it? I've learned, I've learned a lot. I'm going to take that to my next lesson. <laughs> um, I feel like tampons. Like yeah. applicator versus non-applicator. So this is like for heavier absorbency and this one is a lighter one with an applicator. I feel like the most important thing to know is that like with every period product, it's really important to like wash your hands, but especially with tampons because toxic shock syndrome is this um, really like in bad infection that can like happen sometimes when bacteria from the outside of our body gets in. If you leave a tampon, you're allowing that bacteria to build up oh and sometimes goodness. it can lead to like death. death so yeah. it's really important that we're like washing our hands and taking our tampons out when they're supposed to be but just like the moon cup inserted internally a lot of people prefer using applicator tampons because it just kind of helps with ease so with an applicator tampon you kind of want to get this whole top bit inside the vagina and then you use this kind of like a syringe to kind of push it up and inside yeah and then the string helps you pull it out and that's kind of the bare basics yeah i think those that 
two things that always stand out to me with applicator tampons is one I remember reading, I forget whose book it was in, that like applicators were just literally invented because no one wanted to touch. Touch. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Touch themselves, essentially, right? And I know a lot of European countries like don't don't have Mm. applicator tampons. It's a very quite UK, US thing of... We don't touch touch down there. there. And then the second thing is also the question that always comes is a lot of the kids will always be like, will the string come out? Come out. Yeah. Yeah. Which no. is where my sewing with sewing sewn by angels comes from. <laughs> <laughs> like, so when the angels sew it, it's like right up in there. It's really not going to come out. Good point to touch on actually as well is about from YouTube's experience because I've I've used one once and that was <laughs> yeah. it. Um, how does it feel once it's inside? I feel like that's such an important part of it. Like you shouldn't be able to feel it when mm-hmm. it's inside. And if yeah. you can feel it, then either you're using the wrong absorbency or you haven't pushed it in far enough. So really important that if you can feel it when it's inside, that you take it out and try again. And again, like with every period product, it's trial and error. It's not going to be like a one time I've absolutely smashed it. Like going to have to try again and again, probably. Yeah. But I feel like that's why applicators are sometimes good because if you generally, if you get that top bit inside, the vagina and push the tampon will be in the right place yeah for sure I think another thing which I feel like people talk about a lot less maybe it's just something that like people have forgotten or it isn't a thing anymore but I remember when I was at school and the teachers were saying like you shouldn't put a tampon in like if you haven't got your period Mm. like that is cut into because it is of a very high absorbency yeah and so the idea that sometimes people were putting tampons in like the day before their period was coming or something or just there because they felt like it was better because they didn't want anything happening like in their underwear but actually it's not really very good for you to have no. a tampon in if you were not bleeding I feel like we could do a whole other podcast about discharge <laughs> and the like yeah. shame and stigma yeah. around it discharge. but like I've spoken to young people who have used tampons to like absorb their discharge and I just like really need to make this point that like discharge is like natural and important and it's how the vagina cleans itself so don't use tampons for doing that because you're just making your discharge worse you're going to get thrush or bv or something else that's going to irritate and feel awful um, bv for those who don't know what it is bacterial vaginosis Thank sorry you. come on come on look at us just with all of like, the letters and the slang names i think another um, thing when it comes to tampons mm. as well is that some of the applicators you can get that are reusable right with certain yeah, brands so yeah, if you care true. if you're conscious about that environment yeah. and yes. yeah i feel like there's just so many options with like tampons and period products now like organic made from like coconut leaves like I don't know yeah, um, you can also get tampons that um, are infused with CBD yes, yes I am a big fan of those yes. I am not a fan of tampons but I am a big fan of CBD and I, I've never actually suffered that badly with like menstrual cramps mm. but I quite literally have nothing to the point I forget I'm on my period wow well, I think they, it goes back well, to that conversation we were having earlier about when we were talking about the cost of how much it mm. costs just including your period so like I don't know like paracetamol or something like that this kind of like helps to bridge that gap as well so if you're trying to spend less money essentially maybe that's a good a good choice yeah good yeah. in between yeah. absorb and pain relief yeah. at the same yeah. time can't be mad sure. about that no. I mean they are expensive they, they're, yeah. they're pretty expensive I, I think it's because they're new yeah, I think they're new. once they kind of go to the market a bit more the, the, the cost would reduce yeah I time. mean even though like the oil or the bar in and of itself like it's not cheap right but mm. I think for, for me personally they work great because I've never had to like I don't have endometriosis or PCOS. I've never had to like suffer with them, but they do like bother me a little bit sometimes. And so the idea that I can like have that relief for me that makes sense. But I can afford it, so that's yeah. a whole different conversation. But I would hope that one day they would be more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. I reckon it will. It's just like CBD in of itself is like just coming into light. So I reckon over time as well. And you know, as more research comes out with more health benefits, yeah, mm. I reckon yeah, it will become more popular. Absolutely. Great.
So I know that a lot of times, I say a lot of times, a fair few times when you're like working in schools, when there are young students who already I say that they identify as trans or they are maybe confused about what they identify as, they, they recognise that they're going through some difficulty around that, they're not having the conversations they need to. And a lot of the time teachers are just a little bit stuck. Like when you're in a, a lesson or in having a conversation or, if you know, doing those workshops and hopefully, hopefully opening up these conversations... How can we make sure that teachers, educators, parents, carers are doing that without putting too much pressure or possibly forcing them through that yeah. feeling of being outed? It's hard because, like, with my experience, my mum was such an incredible mum and she left out that period conversation with me. And I feel like she left it out not because she didn't want me to know, but because she was scared that she was going to make me feel invalid in my agenda by saying it because back that that can't like I've been transitioning for what like 11 years do you know what I mean no I'm lying longer than that like 17 sorry <laughs> um, I'm talking about medically so um, I feel like you know having conversations just talking about periods do you know in the same way that you should talk about them with cis men so that they're educated as well for sure I think sure. just and you know going back to language gender inclusive language um, showing them resources of other trans people and non-binary people who bleed as well because I think a lot of it is the shame of like I felt like I was the only one who was experiencing this. Yeah. But that's back in a, in a day and age where there wasn't so many trans people. And so now there, there are a lot more visual trans people. So I think as a parent, I think it's just about normalising the conversations at home, not linking it to anything of like womanhood mm -hmm. or pregnancy or anything like that. I just think just making it this thing, this is it's a bodily function. It's very normal. It happens to people who have vaginas. Mm -hmm. and that's just what it is. And I think, you know, in terms of like products, I think the thing that helped me back in the day was like using one of the products online. So mm -hmm. buying the products online and it shipped at home so that I have that kind of like privacy and protection from it or asking my big sister or begging her yeah. like go to the shop because I don't want to go and embarrass myself. But hopefully, that you know, I hope that a young trans person or non-binary person doesn't feel embarrassed about the product. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, that's what I hope. I talk about periods a lot on my Instagram page. But the thing I want to say as a young trans person, if you do start to have small bleeding, it's not unusual. Okay. Um, definitely go to your GP if it's happened frequently because it might just be that your testosterone levels are off um, and that you might need a higher dose of tea or, you know, there might be other health implications. So always just double check. Um, but yeah, it ultimately, when you're on tea, you should stop your periods. Mm. Okay, thank you. Okay, we have come to the end Boo. Of grab and go. <laughs> um, I just want to say absolute huge massive thank you to Terry and Kenny for being here today um, highly encourage you to follow both Bloody Good Period and Kenny on Instagram there are an enormous amount of resources on Instagram which I think maybe people don't understand and I think it can be a really great way to start to help you normalise the topic for yourself um, so already two great follows for you there um, so today we've had a conversation about cost and products and We've scratched the surface, but I feel like we've had some some good chat. But this could yeah. have gone on. We and kept with it, and so I just want to say a huge thank you, and uh, see you next time. Thank you, thank you. Bye, thank you for having me. Bye. My name is Terry Harris, and I started my period when I was eleven. My name is Ethan Jones, and I had my first period when I was fifteen. Thank you for listening to the Blobcast, where open conversations are our thing. Now, we want you to do the same in everyday life. Tell people that you're on your period, talk about your bleeding, and don't hide your period products. The more you talk, the more shame and stigma can be broken down. And the more that happens, the more we can free the period. We are sponsored by PHS. 
PHS supplies schools with period products which are free for any and all learners who need them, whenever they need them. No questions asked. If you're a teacher or a student listening to this, you can find downloadable resources on the PHS website. The link is in our episode description. Don't forget to follow us on our social channels. Just search for the Blobcast.